Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to the first Sunday in Advent, and we are getting ready for Christmas. Woohoo! Right? I want to welcome everybody who's watching online, and I know there may be people who are watching from all over the country. We are so glad you are with us. And if you are a guest here this morning, we especially want to welcome you. Thanks for coming. Immediately following the service, if you would do me a favor and just go out here into the grand foyer and stop by the guest services, we've got a gift for you. It's our way of saying that we're so glad that you came to worship with us, and if you happen to be looking for a home church, we would love for you to consider making Central Community your permanent home church. Thank you again for coming. Well, we've had a busy week and we're gonna have a busy week coming up because Majesty of Christmas is coming up on Friday and Saturday and the choir and the orchestra and so many volunteers are working hard so I wanna make sure that you come. And I wanna remind you that statistics tell us that more than 75% of the people that you ask or invite to church will say yes. So please get out there, invite people and bring them as we celebrate that birth of that baby Jesus. So yesterday, we had a celebration service for John Smith, who was our guitarist. It just doesn't seem real that three weeks ago today, he and I were sitting up here and we were having an interview. And yesterday, we had his celebration service for his homegoing. I know that there are some people who are here today who were part of that service yesterday, and what an incredible worship service and home-going service we had yesterday for John. I know he would be happy, and you got to see a part of it. We had kind of our old worship team, Blake and Brandon came back and visited us, and what a glorious time it was. And so I ask that you would continue to pray for John's mom and dad, John and Christina, as they mourn the loss of John. I also want to let you know that this past week, Pastor Dale Lewis, who was on staff at Central Community for years and years and years, he went to be with Jesus this past week, and his service of celebration is going to be celebrated. I think it's February the 3rd, they told me. So I just wanted you to be aware of that, okay? All right, so whenever we come to this time, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I have to do is I have to get ready for Christmas. Part of that is, as you remember, I told you that we don't set up any holiday decorations until after Thanksgiving, and once Thanksgiving is over, it's like, okay, Lori, have at it, and that's exactly what she did. I love this time of the year because the tree's decorated, there's no gifts under it yet, but it's a very festive time, and one of the things that I always do at this time, I always try and be intentional about preparing my heart for the coming of the baby Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but in my life, there have been times when I feel like I missed Christmas. And what that feels like is that I've been so busy, I've been in such a hurry, that when the actual services came, when it was over with, I was just exhausted. So I wanna help you prepare for this Christmas time of the year. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that Lori and I do on a regular basis, well, maybe not so regular, regular more than she would like to have it more regular, but we gather together and we, we, we look at our calendars. We have a calendar meeting in our house. I usually don't call the meeting. She does. I just show up, okay? But when we get together, the purpose of the calendaring is so that we can be on the same page, 
okay? I don't want to hear those words, didn't you put that on your calendar? Or I don't have that on my calendar. You know what that looks like, sounds like, guys. I don't want that to happen. And so we sit down and we mesh our calendars together. And it usually goes something like this. I sweetheart, Monday night I have a meeting and Tuesday night I have a meeting. And Wednesday night I've got church council and then we also have Advent services. And then she'll jump in there and say, and don't forget that on Thursday we have a couple of our grandkids are involved in a Christmas concert. And then she'll say, and Friday night we're taking the grandkids to go see the Christmas lights. And now saying, remember, I have a funeral on Saturday morning. And oh, by the way, remember, we also have our Christmas staff party Saturday night. And then it always, with, always ends with this. Now remember, we have Sunday morning. Sunday's always coming. Now I don't know about you, but at the end of all that, I'm exhausted. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, I would love to be able to tell you, I own my calendar, but that's not true. Many times, my calendar owns me. I know probably a lot of you can relate to that. And this year, I don't want that to happen. Because when I look at my calendar, I see that it's all filled up, and then someone reminds me Christmas is coming, and where am I supposed to find the room? I recently read a story about a man who lived on a boat. Now, that would be fun. One of the things that he learned was, is he had to learn, he had to make up his mind, he had to decide about what it was that he needed to take on the boat that was going to make him happy, okay? What it was that he was going to need. And so this is what he came up with. Having less things, few obligations, and more time makes room for the most important things. I have more time in my life for the people I love, the things I appreciate, and the opportunities I want to take. You know what this man did? He found that the key to happiness is just making room. Now the reason that making room is important in your life is because everything in your life takes up space. Now think about this. It may be physical space, it may be mental space, it may be calendar space, but everything in life takes up space and we don't have an abundance of space. We have a limited amount of space. So everything you do, everything you own, and even the people that you spend time with cost you something. And the more you have, the more abundance of things in your life, the greater the cost. And so what I want to learn and I want to teach you today is that when you make room, you create space, time, and energy for the things that are important in your life, like the coming and the celebration of the baby Jesus. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Luke chapter two, and I'm going to read verses one through 11 from the King James Version. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I have to admit in my life right now I'm feeling a little, well, overwhelmed. When I look at my schedule, when I look at my calendar, I see that I have very little room for Christmas. But I want to make room. Help me make room first for the baby born at Bethlehem and then for others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. In the Jewish custom, the Jews were always a people that was known for their hospitality, okay? It's really important for you to understand. In other words, if you were a good Jew, you always made room. There was always room for a guest at your dinner table. In fact, a lot of times people would make and gather an extra room so that they could host guests. Now, the reason that Jews were so much a part of hospitality is, first of all, it was commanded by God in the Old Testament, but the reason that a Jewish person was a hospitable person, because it was that very thing that connected them to Jehovah God. Our God is a hospitable God, amen? And the Jewish people took hospitality very serious. So you can imagine how Joseph feels. Joseph is a Jewish man. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was a righteous Jewish man. He makes the long trip all the way to Bethlehem. He's exhausted, and he's traveling with his wife, who is about to give birth. He goes to the inn looking for a place, for room, so that he and his wife, they can bed down and she can have this baby. And when he knocks on the door, the innkeeper comes and says, we have no room. Now that was hard enough for Joseph, when you think? But I think what he had to do next was probably even more difficult, and that was he had to tell his wife, Mary, They have no room. Can you imagine, guys? Your wife is pregnant. She's about to have this baby. 
And now you have to go and tell her, I'm so sorry, sweetheart, but there is no room. You know, when I think about this, one of the things that passes through my mind is this, but wait a minute, this is the savior of the world. This is the Messiah. This is the one that people were expecting. This is the one that the people were supposed to be looking for. This is the creator of the universe. And he is coming from heaven to earth to the very people he created. And he shows up and they tell him, we have no room What I want you to understand is what Mary and Joseph would have heard the innkeeper say was something a whole lot different than we just have no room. He would say this, this is what they were hearing. They were hearing, we have no room for you, therefore we have no desire to include you in fellowship with Jehovah. Because when people went into a Jewish home, the home was representation of the fact that this was a place where they could know and they could feel what it felt like and looked like to be in a place where Jehovah God existed. And you know, we sit there and we think, how in the world does that happen? That doesn't even make sense. How does somebody turn away the savior of the world? And my answer to you is, it's pretty easy. Let me show you what I mean. Let's go to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we read these words, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What I want you to understand here is that this is an invitation to fellowship. It's not about salvation. This is an invitation to fellowship. And the fellowship is between the Lord Jesus and who your heart and mine. Now when you look at that, I want you to understand something. The question that you need to know the answer to is, what's the purpose of the knocking? And the answer, obviously, is this, the hope of a response, right? The purpose of the knocking is for someone to answer the door. I just want to remind you that in a Jewish family, this would not happen. And here's what I mean. In that phrase, when it says, I stand at the door and the knock, the phrase literally means, it's not I knock one time, but it's continued knocking. In other words, as Jesus stands at the door of your heart, he continues to knock until he gets a response, but he will not open the door. You must be the one who opens the door so that he can come in and have fellowship with you. Now, in this letter that John is writing, he writes to the church. The letter is written to the church, but now he turns on a dime. And what he does is he now addresses the individual. Now, how do we know that he's talking about the individual? Because he says, if anyone, if anyone, This is Jesus talking to all of us 
and asking us the question, do you have room? Let's go a little deeper into this, shall we? If you look at the phrase that says, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Remember, I've told you before that in the Jewish custom, the meal was everything. The meal was a time of intimacy. So when Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, he wants to come into your heart and he wants to have a relationship. So when you see that word, it says, I will come in and eat with that person. This verse is talking about a specific meal, and it's called the diipso. And the diipso was what was called the main meal. When a person participated in the main meal, this meal was to be eaten at a leisurely pace. Now think about that. Of course you want to eat it at a leisurely place because it's a time for fellowship. Your guests come in and you sit around the table and you fellowship with one another while you eat. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, when I get to the table, and a lot of times even now, when I get to the table, I'm not there to talk. I'm there to eat. In fact, my grandma used to say when there were six of us boys, grandchildren around the table, she said, I can tell it, my food must be pretty good. How do you know? Because nobody's talking. But what I want you to understand that in the Jewish system, it was completely different. You see, if you were to eat in a hurry, that was a slap in the face to a Jewish individual. You know why? Because if you ate in a hurry, if you were hurried in your eating, that was equivalent to a full stomach. My grandma used to tell me when I was little, Bobby, don't eat so fast. Why, grandma? It's so good. No, you'll get filled up faster. You see, when you eat at a leisurely pace, it takes longer for your stomach to fill up rather than just shoveling it in. And so for a Jewish person, when you would eat quickly and in a hurry, you would fill up quickly. Now listen very carefully to this. A full stomach was equivalent to what they referred to as a full life. But a full life was not a compliment. A full life meant you had no room and if you had no room, you had no time for fellowship. In other words, if you were in a hurry, you excluded those who were trying to be in fellowship with you. Now let's go back to the beginning of the verse. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. What is Jesus asking us to do? How do we develop fellowship? How do we make room for him? You have to open the door. And sometimes before you open the door, you have to make sure you've created space. Now let me tell you why this is so important. It's important because hospitality is usually very messy, and it is always 
inconvenient, right? Hospitality, when you make room for someone, it's not about me, it's not about you. What you're saying is that I'm going to take what I believe is mine and I'm going to offer it to somebody else. That's the gospel. That's Jesus' ministry. Jesus came so he could offer himself to all people, right? Even his enemies. And Jesus says, mine is a gospel that offers myself to all people. Was it convenient for him? Not at all. But he did it because that's what his father asked him to do. Now watch this. In Galatians 3, we read these words. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. I want you to make sure you hear that. What we see in this verse is there is no such thing or no word as other. There is only us. Do you remember... A couple of weeks ago when Pastor Justin and Amanda were up on the platform here and they were sharing us their exciting story, their journey of faith about their adoption of their little girl faith. And do you remember that Amanda said that she had heard a phrase, she didn't know who it was that said it, but this is what she had heard. Live your life in a way that demands an explanation. Do you remember that? In other words, live your life in a way that you could have fellowship with the Lord Jesus so he then can use you to impact the lives of others. Yesterday when we were celebrating John's life, one of the things that you need to know was that the last month or so of John's life, one of the things that he started doing was, is he started making room. And one of the things he did is he started getting rid of some of his gigs. Now, if you don't know what a gig is, you're not very cool, but I'll tell you anyways, okay? But John used to go and he used to play at different places and he had a band. And one of the things he started doing in that last month is he started getting rid of all of these gigs. And when I asked him why he was doing that, this is what he told me. He said, I just need to make room in my my life for the things that are important. I want to prioritize my life for the things and the people that are important. And one of the things that was important to him was what he did here on Sunday mornings. In fact, John believed that what he did on Sunday mornings made him look the most like Jesus. I gotta tell you, as I was watching Blake play on his guitar, I had to swallow hard a few times. I'm going to miss John. I miss him already. But when I think about what John did here, he led us in worship in the presence of Almighty God. And now, John stands in the very presence of God. 
I wish you could have been at his worship service yesterday. It was amazing. It was encouraging. And when I watched his mom raise her hand in worship in the time of need, in a time of hurt, it impacted so many people's lives. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. When you make room for Jesus, you can't help but impact others. If you don't believe me, ask the 3,000 people that received turkeys from this church. If you don't believe that what you're doing impacts other, ask the prisoners on the 19th that are going to receive homemade cookies from you. If you don't believe that when you make room for Jesus, you impact others, ask that group that we're throwing the biggest Christmas party for these foster kids they, that they have ever seen, ask them about the impact that we make. Look at this scripture verse here. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Not too long ago, on a Sunday morning, you maybe remember that I made an announcement that we were now breaking our youth group and now we were adding a middle school youth. And I heard a story about a lady in our church who when she heard that was aware of a youth that was in her neighborhood. She asked this young boy if he would be interested in coming to our church to be a part of our youth group. He said, I need to ask my mom and dad. He went and asked his mom and dad, and his mom and dad said, sure, you can go, be a part of it. And when he came, he absolutely loved this church, and he never missed a Sunday after that. He went on a retreat with the youth, and guess what happened? He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And just a couple weeks ago, this way, just a couple weeks ago, I baptized him in the waters. You see, that's what happens when you make room for Jesus in your life. Because what happens is the next best thing is you begin to impact others. And that's the way the gospel works. Guys, I wouldn't advise that you do this because you're putting your life in your own risk. But I remember when I was young and foolish, at Christmas time, my wife would ask me what I got her. It worked maybe one year. But you know what? Her response to me was just kind of like how you just responded to me. She kind of laughed. Oh yeah, I've had that gift before. <laughs> but you know what? What I just want you to know this morning is this. This is what God did for you and I. He gave us a gift. And the gift is his son, Jesus. He put a bow on that little baby and he sent him into the world that he created for one purpose, 
And you know what that was? To give his life so that you and I could enjoy what John is experiencing and Pastor Dale even now. You see, when you receive that gift and that gift takes up residence in your heart, when you open the door and let him come in and have fellowship with you, it will change you. And because you're changed, because your priorities are in the right place, you will begin to impact others' lives. And that's why you and I were created. The Bible tells us since the beginning of time, we were created for God's workmanship, created to do what he had prepared for us to do even before the beginning of time. My prayer for you this week is this. Make room. Everything in your life costs you something. Make room so that you can receive the priorities and the gift of the baby Jesus and live a refreshed life that will impact others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for this baby Jesus. This baby that was given to each of us is given to every person in this world. And Father, I pray that as each of us has received that gift and as we keep that door open so that that fellowship can continue, my prayer is this, Lord, use me, use this church to impact the lives of others. I'm believing, Father, that there's someone out there who needs a miracle. I'm believing that there's someone out there who needs to be touched for the Lord Jesus Christ. In order for that to happen, it may be dependent upon each of us making room because when Jesus takes up our life, we naturally shine our lights and we get involved in the lives of others. Help us, Father, to be that light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? And this morning, Pastor George is going to lead us in a closing song, and then he will dismiss you. And as we sing the Lord's Prayer, would you let the words fall into your minds and your hearts? And it opens with an Our Father. It's a prayer for the community of faith. Sometimes we just think it's ours singularly, but it's the whole body of Christ as we stand this morning. Our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father.
And all God's people say, Amen. Go in peace, in joy, and in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ.